Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. So many people join us on a weekly basis, and um, man, you send comments, you send questions, you send emails and and, uh, other things, and I I find out about people watching all over the place. Thank you so much for doing that, and uh, it's just an opportunity for us to open up the Bible and give you God's good news. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he said, we love you so much that we gave you not only God's good news, but our own life as well, because you had become so dear to us. And uh, Southside, we believe this. We want to build real followers of Jesus Christ, and we want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in Northeast Georgia, wherever God allows us to go to the ends of the earth. And so you are helping us do that today, and we are so thankful for that. We invite you, if you live in our area, come join us at one of our two campuses. And uh, check us out, southside.online. There you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, what we have going on, and and see if this is a place you'd like to come be a part of. If you live somewhere else in the country, hey, pray for us, encourage us, help support us. You can find a giving tab there on southside.online because that opportunity for you to give and trust God with that allows us to continue doing this and take this message further because of your support. And so I invite you to do that. And if you would, I just want to say thank you because it is making a difference. Today, a series we're doing is called It's Not Personal, but it is. It is personal. If somebody ever tells you, hey, it's not personal, what they're about to tell you is personal. It's going to hit. It's going to cut. It's going to come at you. And so talking about this series, It's Not Personal, uh, it's, it's walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a particular set of statements that Jesus made in his sermon that, you know, it, it could be, he could have even said it like this. It's not personal, but it is. It is personal because Jesus came to touch and change the individual person's heart. He came to be a part of your life, to give you real, true life, eternal life. And that can start for you today, right here in this moment. And so I can say it's not personal, but you know what? It is. Today Today is an overview of what radical righteousness looks like. Now, you may read that and go, that doesn't sound very, very, very exciting to me. What is radical righteousness? Well, what Jesus is saying in this particular passage, we're walking through verse by verse the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And the apostle Matthew, one of the original 12 disciples, was walking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, and these this was one of the sermons that he decided to record and write down. It just so happened to be the first publicly recorded sermon that we have of Jesus. If you were to sit down and read the Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters, it would take you roughly, I don't know, about 18 minutes to read that from start to finish. And so, 
what you see in that, did it take Jesus 18 minutes to say it? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I know this. If you were to take the time to read this, it's going to take you a little under 20 minutes to do. And what a powerful way to get to the just the heart of the matter and really get to the heart of the Savior. And so over the next several weeks, we're talking about this very thing. Jesus is giving them an overview of what radical righteousness looks like. Righteousness, to be made right with God and to do right according to God. And so what Jesus is saying to them is about how to live righteously, And it's radical because the way he is communicating, the things that he is saying is, is, uh, it's revolutionary to the people that are listening that day. And so that is what we see. And this is kind of the, what the crowd was thinking. They were wondering how Jesus is teaching related to what they had been taught all of their lives. What about Moses and the law? To understand where these people were, we've got to kind of go back into the Old Testament time. When Israel, as a, they weren't even a nation, they were just a group of people, numbering somewhere about 1.8 to 2 million people in number, left Egypt, coming out as slaves, set free by the power of God, being led by Moses, God's appointed leader for that particular time. He leads them out. And, and in the course of making it to what, was, what they were told was the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey that was, that was promised by God, not, not real milk and honey, but a land of prosperity, a, lot, a land of fruitfulness and abundance. And, and so as, as God was leading them through Moses to that place, they have a point where they stop and God gives them the law. And it's called the law, the law of Moses. And it's found inside the first five books of the Bible. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so, so much of this is found in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And so you see some of those things about the law of Moses that, that, that God is giving to a group of people that he's establishing as a nation. This is a nation. We have the nation of Israel today. We have the land of Israel today. We have the people of Israel today. But God was establishing them as a nation at that particular point in time. And so what they're seeing during that time when they establish the land, they conquer the land, they take it over, they establish themselves as a nation, they, 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 they have a, a series of leaders that are honoring the Lord, then they make a shift and they turn away from God and God takes over their land, brings in foreign invaders, they take over the land of Israel and they exile the people. And so for 70 years they lived in exile and then God brings them back, he brings them back into the land. The problem with that time period was this, that the people that had been exiled had learned a new language. And and, And the new people had not been taught the Hebrew language. And so when they came back into the land, no one could read God's word or God's law for themselves. 
That's how the scribes and the Pharisees came to be. They came up as a, as a way that, because they understood the language and they understood the law and they were teaching it to the people. But if people wanted to know the laws of God and the ways of God, they had to go to the religious leaders to get understanding in it. And so they began to teach over time, a period of 400 years, they began to teach and shift things according to the way it suited them. And it distorted God's message. And Jesus is now on the scene. That happened all until this point. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came and changed everything. He comes in and now he's on this, he's in this setting and he's teaching them radical things about righteousness. And this is part of what we see in this. The beginning of the sermon is what they call the Beatitudes, and that really talks about the kind of person God blesses. And then it moves into there, from there, and it starts talking about being salt and light in the world. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And so it goes from the kind of person God blesses, then it moves to the kind of person God uses. Now we're beginning to tap in to see what kind of Savior he sent. So that's, that's the, the way the, this message is built out. Here's the kind of person, Jesus said, that God will bless. Here's the kind of person that God will use. Now, here's the kind of Savior that he sent to the world. And so what we see in the next several messages that we will do is an overview of radical righteousness. And this is what Jesus details about that, that sin begins in the heart. And that is what Jesus came to address. See, the way the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, the rabbis of that day were teaching was this. They were teaching so much of sin being an outside, surface-level uh, issue. And they, they didn't deal with the things that were internal. They dealt so much with outward sin because that's really a lot of what the law of Moses talked about. They talked about the, 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 the offerings that you would bring on behalf or to make atonement for the sin that you had committed. Everything was external. But Jesus came to address the sin issue that doesn't begin on the outside. It goes deeper to the heart. James tells us that in his gospel or his letter at the end of the New Testament. He said sin doesn't begin, uh, sin doesn't start in an action. Sin begins in the heart with a desire, with a thought, and that is conceived and it's brought into action. And it leads to death if it's left unchecked. And so today, we see one of the sin issues. Jesus deals with murder. He deals with adultery, divorce, lying. He deals with all kinds of different things, the oaths that we make and our relationship commitments with other people. Today, we talk about heart stoppers. And the first heart stopping issue that Jesus deals with is murder. And we see that murder does not begin with the action itself. Murder actually starts 
in the heart. It's birthed through anger, through resentment, through bitterness that left unchecked eventually comes out in an outward action. But if it, if it ever brings itself out into an outward action, a premeditated event that has taken place outwardly, it began on the inside. The person that commits that sin already committed it in his heart because he imagined it happening. And so that's what we see. And so I'm very seriously doubting that I'm talking to a whole bunch of murderers today because we're not watching from prison. But I am talking to a whole bunch of heart murderers today that have had let anger, a seething, brooding resentment, live inside of them in shape, one shape, form, or another. We've all done it. Every one of us are guilty at some point in our life of letting our anger get the best of us. And Jesus is saying in this setting, that it doesn't start with the outward action. It's already happened in the heart. If you remember last week, if you watched, I talked about Jesus coming to set the field at balance. The Pharisees and the scribes' religious leaders had elevated themselves because they were teachers and, and readers and and interpreters of the word of God. And they had set themselves up to let people know, if you want to know what God said, come see us because we know and you can't. And we will tell it to you and you better listen to us. What Jesus is teaching here in this setting is like taking a sledgehammer to what they are saying. It was shocking, it was radical, and it's one of the things that began to lead them to the actual murder of the Savior of the world. But the Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders aren't the ones who killed him. That was left to the Romans, but it came at the hands of the scribes and Pharisees of their day. And so there we see an example of how this is lived out, and it didn't start with their hands, it started with their heart. Number one today, anger makes us destroyers instead of builders. That's exactly right. I'm going to tell you, this is one of the most difficult messages or sermons that, that you could ever communicate and you could ever hear. This is why it hits everybody. It gets all of us because every one of us are prone to anger in some way. And if we ever let it get the best of us, and we are all guilty of that, to where we respond in some way that is angry, then we have become a destroyer instead of a builder. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. He says this about, I don't know, six or seven times throughout three verses. You have heard that it was said. You have been taught this. You have been taught this this way is what he is saying. He is challenging everything that they had ever been taught. And so this is what the religious leaders saw in Jesus. They thought he was anti-law. They thought he was coming to destroy the law of Moses and the word of God. But Jesus didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. We saw that last week. And it's kind of the thesis for the entire message. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. 
I've come to show you exactly how it was intended to be and to be lived out. And so Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, this is one of the top 10. This is one of God's top 10. Remember David Letterman and his top 10 list? Well, this is God's, the 10 commandments. And Jesus said, you have been taught this all of your life. Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Jesus said, if you murder somebody, you're gonna get caught. And you're gonna get punished. And the punishment that they used at that day and time was a form of capital punishment. Eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. If you did it, if you were found guilty, you were gonna lose your life because you were a life taker. But remember, this is radical teaching and this is an overview of radical righteousness. And so Jesus is going deeper than the action itself. He's gonna get into their heart. There are many references in the, the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus is sitting in an environment or standing in an environment where people are gathered. And there are many times where it says that Jesus knew the intent of their heart. He knew what they were thinking. How do you do that? I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. I can guess, you can guess, but Jesus knew he was able to take something that we would see as an outward sin and he would be able to, to go all the way in to find the root cause, which is many times seated in our heart. Jesus said, but I tell you. Another translation, he says, but I tell you the truth. You've heard the saying, truth hurts. Well, truth hurts and it does. But Jesus heals. What they didn't know yet was what Jesus was coming to do. Who could know that? Who could fathom that somebody would give his life willingly in the most cruel form of capital punishment that the world at that time knew, and Jesus was gonna do it willingly so that the world could have life through him? He knew exactly who he was and what he had come to do, and he's telling people the truth of how God's word was intended to be delivered. He said, everyone who is angry with his brother, oh, oh, not everyone who murders his brother, Cain and Abel, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. The Pharisees thought they were here. Everybody else thought they were here and they would look up and go, I can never achieve that. And the Pharisees and scribes wanted it that way. That's the way they wanted it. There was prestige, there was prominence, there was influence, there was power, there was wealth. There was, there was all kinds of things here. And, and, and these people were looking and said, we can't do this. And Jesus said, they're just as guilty as you are. He goes on to say, and whoever says to his brother, you fool, you fool, you fool will be subject to the Sanhedrin. 
I was going out to eat lunch the other day, and I was, I was leaving with a guy. We were eating lunch. We were walking through the lobby, and these three businessmen were standing there talking, and he was like, hey, don't listen to John. John's an idiot. <laughs> and I just stopped. It just made me laugh because he just said it that way. And I thought, man, I'm assuming John's not here. But number two, I'm assuming John's not doing a good job. Okay, number three, I thought, I know that John. I think I know who he is. Uh, I, number four, are you a pastor? Maybe we need to talk. But anyway, nevertheless, he said, he said it. It just made me stop and laugh because I knew that this was coming. But, but it's just so easy how we attribute words and names to people. We call them fools or we refer to them in some way as that when we are the ones that are foolish in our verbiage. The person that does this will be subject to the Sanhedrin, a per, a, 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 the religious ruling council. But whoever says you moron <laughs> will be subject to hellfire. They understood the reference to hellfire. The term, the word is Gehenna. And this was this reference to place a garbage dump on the south side of Jerusalem where it was continually burning. And it became a reference to a visual, visual reference to hell. See, anger makes us destroyers instead of builders. Sinful feelings are not an excuse for sinful behaviors and actions. And that's what Jesus is communicating here to a group of people. You've been taught this, but I'm telling you this, that murder does not begin with the action. Murder begins in the heart. If you think you'll be brought before the religious council for a, a word and a name given to someone that is not accurate, he said, you can, you, that will actually be, you could go to hell for something like that. He's leveling the playing field in this setting. Number two, anger doesn't just make us destroyers. Anger breaks our fellowship with God and others. It does. It's powerful what anger does. It is destroying and it breaks up. I mean, here, you don't have to have Taylor Swift's breakup song. I mean, this is it. Anger breaks it. Hey, this is our breakup song right here. What breaks our relationship and fellowship with God? The anger, the seething, brooding resentment that we let live inside of us and it's in every one of us. You're guilty, I'm guilty. Every one of us has this problem in our life. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, so if you are offering your gift on the altar, if you are offering your gift on the altar, he said, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. There you remember, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. What do you do in that setting? Jesus here is taking them back to the Old Testament sacrificial system, to the sin offering and 
to the restitution offering that they would bring because of an offense that someone else has toward them. There is a sin offering and a trespass offering. A sin offering is an action that you have committed against God. A trespass offering was a sin or an action that you committed against someone else. And both of them, according to the requirements of the law of God in in, in, in and through Moses had to be atoned for. And so Jesus here is speaking. If you are offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, what should you do? Leave your gift in front of the altar. He says, first go and be reconciled with your brother, then come and offer your gift. So what he's saying here is in order to have a healthy vertical relationship with God, you and I need to do everything that we possibly can to have healthy horizontal relationships with others. I don't know that you and I get there on this side of heaven. But it's not about us getting there with everyone. It's about us striving to live life that way in every way possible. As much as it depends on you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's okay. I forgive you. But, yeah, but you... But I just, I'm sorry, please forgive me. It's okay, I forgive you. That doesn't fix everything, but it fixes a lot of things. Here, Jesus says this, sinful anger must be faced honestly and confessed to God as sin. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 6 when he teaches us how to pray. He said, Lord, Forgive us of our trespasses, our sin, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. See, anger doesn't just make you a destroyer. Anger breaks your fellowship with God. And it, it, it breaks our fellowship and relationships with others. Jesus said we can't expect God's blessings or expect him to accept our offerings if we have injured someone and not bent over backwards to make things right. You see, our attitude toward others reflects our attitude and relationship toward God. So sinful anger must be faced honestly and confessed to God as sin. Why? Because anger makes us a destroyer instead of a builder. Anger breaks our fellowship with God and others. And finally, anger robs us of freedom and makes us a prisoner. Jesus gives us an example. Here's the example. He says, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with him or your adversary will hand you over to the judge, the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. What Jesus is using here is an illustration from the Roman world, okay? So he takes them out of the Jewish culture and puts them into the Roman legal system. 
And these are two parties that have a grievance against one another. They cannot settle it. They are on their way to court. Jesus said, settle it before you get there. Get it right before you get to the judge because the judge is going to rule in a way that neither of you know or anticipate. So do whatever you can to make it right before you get there. The picture, the picture here is this taking place earthly, but and, 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 a, and an analogy is made in heaven. Because we want to settle these accounts now. We want to make these things right here if we can because we don't want to get to the one true judge and it not go in a way that, that benefits us or the other person. He said, listen, we, and I'll just say this, you and I are not judge, we are not jury. We are a witness. But the enemy wants you to be judge and jury. The enemy wants you to think that you are the judge, you are the jury, you sit in the control seat of your life. That is what the devil wants you to know. What God wants you to know and what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that he is the one that we listen to. God is the one that we give our life to. Make things right here so that things are right here. Make things right here so that things get right here. Because Jesus said, I assure you, if the judge finds against you, he's going to throw you in prison until, every, until you can pay every last penny of the debt that you owe. Here, they understood that because if, if that happened, the Romans found no mercy and they would throw you in prison and you couldn't get out until either you found a way to pay for your debt or someone that loved you and cared for you enough would come do the same. The same thing happens in eternity because there's no way possible you can pay your own debt. Therefore, I've got to wait for someone to come pay it for me. That's where the whole idea in Catholicism of purgatory came. Because when they died, they could stay there and, and, and the church said, well, you can pay the church so much money to get to cover your, their debt and get your loved one out of purgatory before they're sent to hell so that they can go to heaven. So, so what they're doing is they're, they're using a biblical principle to teach something that is not accurate. You know why? You can't do enough to get yourself or someone else you know and love out of hell, purgatory that doesn't exist, and get them into heaven. You need it and I need it. We need someone that will come pay the debt for us. See, the person who refuses to forgive destroys the very bridge over which he himself must walk. We're, if when we refuse to forgive, we're destroying the very bridge that we're one day going to have to walk. Every This is the summary of today. Every aspect of a believer's conduct must be characterized by righteousness a right living that surpasses mere appearance. And, and, and here's reality. This is impossible to do on a human level. You can't do it on your own. 
You need someone who loves you enough to come and pay your debt for you. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. And as we seek him, learn from him, and obey him, we will find him. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Today, if you find yourself struggling with forgiveness, go to the cross because it's at the cross where we see forgiveness on display. We are offered forgiveness in full and we receive forgiveness in its entirety. And our lives are never the same again. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today I would invite you, find a quiet place, get honest and alone with him, confess to him, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth lived perfectly and died fully for me. And I believe you rose again. Jesus, because of those things and your gift, I'm repenting, I'm confessing my sin to you and asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. I offer and give my life to you. It's very simple. The salvation of, that comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone is freely offered to anyone who will accept it. The question is, will you take it? Take it today. Receive it today. Apply it today. And let God go to work in and through your life. I hope you join us next week because this is a great series and uh, we continue walking through some very tough topics. But it's issues and situations that Jesus gives us that I believe are directly, personally related to our life in powerful ways. I hope to see you next week. God bless you. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.